So take it away, Sam. All right. Hello. Good morning. Thanksgiving. There's a lot of life in the room today. Yeah, I, this is a privilege. This is so fun. It's been a fun morning already. And um, guys, Thanksgiving. How was your Thanksgiving? Who's still wearing the... Anybody? Anybody in the turkey coma out there? Thanksgiving. I'm from the UK originally. And there's one thing I, I need to clean, clear up just, just before we go on. Not everyone on this stage has an accent. Alan Frau and his family are from South Africa. <laughs> me and my family are from the UK. There's no relation whatsoever between me and Alan. There's a little rumor mill going on around there that I just crushed right now. No, no relation. Uh, so yes, yeah, so this is our fifth Thanksgiving um, country. And I realize one of the most cherished holidays. A lot of people here talk about their favorite holiday. And um, I think maybe part of its context, you know, being a Brit, the, the, the Brits are like, we're kind of famously grumpy, I think. We've, we, we love a good whinge. I'm going to teach you a word today. We whinge. We whinge about the weather. We complain that it's too cold and it's too wet and it's too damp. But then you know what happens? As soon as it's sunny, as soon as it's over 75 degrees for about four days, we're like, oh, this sucks. It's too hot. Get me back, you know, get me back in the rain. People going out buying circular fans so that they can sleep. Uh, we, we're just like, we're just really part of our DNA. It's part of our, I think it's part of our history, actually. Um, yeah, I can picture the scene now, you know, the, the, the scene in history here. Your majesty. Yes, what is it? It's the Americans, sire. They aren't paying enough taxes on the tea we're sending them. <laughs> to be done. Uh, it's too late, sir. They've thrown it in the sea already. <laughs> this means war. <laughs> Right? It's like, in our history, we complain. The little Thanksgiving joke there, if you're into history, you got it. If not, don't worry about it. You can Google it later. Um, but yeah, we are Olympic. We're like Olympic. cross-cultural joking aside, I think Thanksgiving is such a quintessentially American holiday. And I just want to applaud you for Thanksgiving. Well done, America. Um, I wish it traveled around the world as much as, you know, all the other things that you've exported everywhere. But no, I'm, I'm loving it. Loving, loving, loving it. And it more, more than makes up for the craziness of Halloween, which is another Thanksgiving. Sold a bunch of stuff, um, unless you go to Home Goods, and then it's like they are all over it, man. In there, like a like a rash. They're trying to sell you a candle that smells like turkey and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, but listen, Thanksgiving resonates uh, for me, and I think for all of us. Um, and I love that this annual reminder to be grateful, and it exists in our. This makes it, this is a fun one for me today, guys. It's an easy one. Like, I'm not preaching on, like, why martyrdom is amazing. Thanksgiving, it's something we all love. It's something that resonates with all, all of us. And um, the theme of Thanksgiving, the theme of gratitude, I think, is tethered to this whole season that we've just kicked off. We're in the Christmas season. We've got a few, good few weeks ahead of us now. And in the Christmas season, right, we see these, particularly in you, this theme of thankfulness that keeps coming up. My favorite one is um, Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. Any Christmas Carol fans? Every year I read A Christmas Carol, the book comes out of the, the box, you know, with the decorations from the garage. And um, I just love it. That, that little slice of like Dickensian, Victorian Christmas, so good. Um, and we love it, don't we? Because it's this powerful story of one man's confrontation with his own kind of ingratitude and his inability to see the good things around him. And then freedom comes to this Galatian um, that he actually figures out a better way. And uh, this story, it doesn't wear thin. We go and watch uh, Christmas Carol TV specials every year. We go to the theater. We see it performed there. Uh, there's a ton of movies on it. Now, I want to um, submit today that there's only one possible way you can improve on the Christmas Carol, and that's a Muppet's Christmas Carol. 
any Charles Dickens is about as good as art gets. That's the pinnacle right there. Um, <clears throat> the other one I love, and it's a very similar story, is It's a Wonderful Life, right? Who watches that every year? Falls asleep for the middle third, wake, up, wake back up for the last bit. Um, asleep, but... Yeah, this movie with Jimmy Stewart, we love it every year. It, has, it sort of has echoes of the Dickens story. It's the same kind of thing, one man's revelation, but he, you know, he meets an Man, I've just been lacking some perspective here, some, some gratitude. I have, didn't see what was right under my feet, right? And um, I just had a brainwave, a Muppet remake of It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> Who's with me? No, are there any Hollywood exec types in the room? You never know in Orange County. It's an idea. Okay. Is good. It's in our culture. We can all agree on this. Um, but I, what I want to talk about, what I want to talk about today, um, is that uh, gratitude looks different for the believer. Gratitude looks different for somebody who's put their faith in Jesus. It's not the same as Ebenezer. The Bible has so much to say about gratitude, the theme of Thanksgiving. And today, so today, I want to explore what is uh, Colossians three. And chapter, uh, chapter 3 and verse 15. It's our text for today. And this is um, a little part of a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, uh, this young church. And he's really inviting them to um, take on some of the virtues, some of the nature of Jesus, and, and to le- begin to learn what it is to, to be like him. So he speaks about their worship. He, thinks about, he speaks to them about their posture of praise. And he says this in verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thank you, Jesus, so much for your word that it speaks to us today. Amen. So guys, the first headline for me really is that um, gratitude is clearly a a virtue that we see the word of God wants to train us in. It's so important. It's so biblical. And um, we read in this this, uh, little passage here, uh, this, and we see this theme of thankfulness, this theme, this theme of gratitude coming up again and again. Be thankful. When you worship, how? With thanksgiving. And then verse 17, basically whatever it is you're doing, whatever it is you're doing in the name of Jesus, do it that way, giving thanks to God through him. So we know that gratitude is a big deal in our culture. It's something that we love to celebrate once a year. But gratitude is a massive weapon, actually, in our arsenal as believers. And I think we actually underuse it a little bit. Um, Augustine, he famously said, be a hallelujah from head to toe. So what I want to talk a little bit about today is that this thing about gratitude being something that lives in your heart and what it means to actually uh, bring that to a place of thanksgiving, which is essentially just taking something that's in your heart and putting it on your tongue, expressing it out loud. So I want to say this to you today. Gratitude must be an outwardly expressed sign of an inwardly transformed heart. Gratitude must be an outwardly expressed sign of an inwardly transformed heart. And the, the Bible covers gratitude a lot. It talks a lot about it. It also talks about grumbling a lot. It talks about ingratitude. And I think Paul knew, right, when he was speaking to this young church, he knew his Old Testament, 
really well. And he would have known the stories of a grumbling Israel in the wilderness. He would have known how this infection of grumbling would have you know, had just begun to spread in different seasons throughout the church, throughout Israel. And it hardened their hearts. You see it again and again and again in the Old Testament. It hardens their hearts and it leads to all kinds of disaster as they basically allow their ingratitude to lead them into all kinds of sin. And so he wants to emphasize, we read it time, three, three times, I think, in that scripture, this theme of thankfulness, this, this emphasis on thankfulness. That some, it's something that should permeate the church and the life of the believer. So my first heading today is this, gratitude is essential. Gratitude is essential. Um, and so I want to give you a quick, few quick headlines. You guys who love to take notes, you'll love this. Get your pens at the ready. I've got some headings here that I want to go through quickly. Uh, so here we go. Number one, these are just uh, some headlines, some reasons that I think um, help us just to wake up again to, the import, to the, really the importance of gratitude. So number one, gratitude glorifies God. This alone would be enough. This would be a good enough reason to give thanks. Our gratitude glorifies God as we exalt not the gifts, but the giver. Not the gifts, but the giver. Not the created things, but the creator. Gratitude helps us to realize that all we have comes not because of us, but from God. And in 2 Corinthians, it says, and as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. And God will receive more and more glory. Number two, gratitude helps us to see God working. Gratitude is like, it's like putting on like glasses, spectacles. It opens our spiritual eyes. And there's this beautiful cycle when we learn what it means to thank God. We actually realize the more we thank him, the more we start to see him working around us. I don't know if that's something you've experienced. But gratitude helps us to sense God's presence and his personal care and his perfect timing and all of these things. We start to wake up to it. And in James 1, it says this, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Number three, gratitude brings peace. Peace. Gratitude helps us see that God's hand is over everything, right? He's sovereign. He's in control. He's over all of our circumstances. And God tells us when we give him our thanks, he gives us peace. So the more we count our blessings, the more we look around us and see ways that we can learn to be thankful, the more we find the peace of God comes. And Philippians 4, love this, says, do not be anxious about everything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And you know what happens? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Number four, gratitude brings contentment. Contentment. It's said that gratitude makes what we have enough. So it's so important for that. And if we aren't grateful for what God has given us, actually getting more and more and more isn't necessarily going to satisfy. Being thankful, this is the key to contentment. So in 1 Timothy, it says, godliness without contentment, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and neither can we carry anything out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with these. Gratitude brings contentment. Next one, gratitude deepens our faith. Keeping a record of God's faithfulness in the past. This is a, just such a great way to boost our, our, our faith, boost our gratitude. God's record of faithfulness is 100%. The more and more and more I've, I've sort of walked with the Lord, I've seen his faithfulness. Um, and so God commands his people, he commands Israel to remember. Uh, I think Beck said it right at the beginning of the meeting, forget not his benefits. 
Um, and so we look back, we absorb and drink in again the benefits of knowing God, and it just it's like fuel for our, our gratitude. Next one, gratitude quiets Satan's lies. I've known this in my life, but Satan likes to use this tactic. God isn't good enough. He's not actually real. He's withholding good things from you. Whatever it might be, right? The enemy wants to knock you off course by convincing you that actually God isn't enough. And gratitude, man, it's just like putting a dagger right in that. It's just like saying, nope, I'm not gonna believe that. I'm gonna use gratitude as a weapon against Satan's lies. Next one, gratitude is obedience. The Bible just says so. The Bible just says so. Be thankful. It's hard to argue with that sometimes. 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And he actually says this again and again in his letter writing to the different churches. So we just see it. We just, it's just something the Bible asks us to be thankful. Um, gratitude is a guard against envy. Uh, this, is a, this is a huge one in our culture, I think. We have this, you know, round-the-clock advertising, marketing, just pummeling us all day long. Um, and, and envy makes us want what someone else has, right? But gratitude makes us realize that God has given us far more than anything that we actually deserve. And so a, a heart that's learned to be wholly grateful, it's like the more, you, the more grateful you are, the more you're actually squeezing out space in your heart to, to, to kind of worship other things. So it's a guard against envy. Psalm 138, I will give you thanks with all my heart. And lastly, Gratitude is a testimony. Psalm 105 says, Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. So when we actually thank God openly, out loud, we acknowledge what he's done, we're actually proclaiming God to the world around us. We're showing other people that actually contentment and peace and satisfaction, all these things I've been talking about so far, um, come not from what we have or what we've achieved or what we've acquired, but they come actually from who we know right? Um, so gratitude is a testimony, and thankfulness is a, is a powerful and, and meaningful witness. The Bible leaves us in no doubt that gratitude is important. We've covered that, but I want to talk a little bit this morning about some ways that we can actually practically like cultivate gratitude. And uh, Thanksgiving, man, is so good for that. We get a chance to stop, sit around the table, eat some food, be with our family, and just pause. Um, but how, how are there t how, how, what are some ways that we can cultivate gratitude? And I think gratitude is a bit like a muscle. It's something that we have to train and grow and use. Um, but not only that, I think that gratitude in the mature Christian actually becomes like a reflex muscle. It's not something that we have to kind of think about so much, but it, it actually becomes more and more automatic. Um, and so that's what we want to end up with, you know, this kind of automatic reflex muscle of thanksgiving. So there's a couple of things I want to I highlight here that could help us. Um, the first one is gratitude must be an outward expression. I kind of mentioned that earlier, but appreciation should be expressed. We need to cultivate a thankful tongue, not just a thankful heart. Um, thanksgiving is the, it's actually a discipline. It's a discipline of learning how, how do I externalize out loud the gratitude I feel internally um, when we go back to our text, Colossians 3, I think Paul knows that it's going to serve the church for them to be thankful, but out loud, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Um, 
yeah, their faith remaining internal and personal and individual and never expressed is not actually the plan at all. And C.S. Lewis says this thing, which I love. I find this so helpful. He says this, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. It's frustrating to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good he is. To come suddenly at the turn of the road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then, and then to have to keep silent because the people with you care for it no more than for a tin can in a ditch. To hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. It's, it's a appointed consummation to actually praise and express out loud. And imagine just for a minute what life would be like if there was no such thing as expressed praise. Like, what would we talk about? Like, I had Thanksgiving on Thursday. Okay, yeah, how was it? It was turkey. <laughs> Done. End of conversation. You know, or your friends come back from, uh, you know, a trip to Yosemite or something, and it's like, yeah, tell me. We went there. We came back. <laughs> like, we need, we need expressed praise, right? It's part of the richness of our experience. It's actually part of the enjoyment of something. And as C.S. Lewis says so brilliantly, it's the appointed consummation. So I want to encourage us in this this morning. I want to exhort us. Let's become known for praise out loud. And let's become known for praise more than disdain. Guys, being, just being thankful is one of the most countercultural things you can be as a Christian in 2021. It's easy, man. Like, this is like falling off a log. It's not martyrdom. It's just being thankful, being grateful for what we have. And actually, the, the crazy thing is, the world actually sometimes seems based the common goodness of God than the church. And I think that needs to flip. That needs to flip. That needs to turn, you know? I think, man, live, thankful place on earth. I want to encourage us in that. Get good at celebrating audibly. Gratitude out loud. So let, let it be heard. Let it encourage others. Like I said, it's, it's a witness. And, uh, and I think it's, uh, Andrew spoke about this in the first sermon. It's like a, it, it, it actually, um, once you start, it kind of gets easier and it becomes a bit of a culture thing. So I kind of want to encourage us as a church, actually, that our work on as a cult, um, just as grumbling as we see in the Old Testament, in thanksgiving and gratitude to become so natural in this place, in our culture, in our conversations, like a reflex mus muscle, as I said. Imagine, imagine, Southlands, if each of us just decided, I'm going to be like 20% more thankful and expressive about my thanksgiving and my encouragement. I'd be a game changer. Yeah. Let's do that. Um, I usually have like these little tiny 20 second moments to speak about worship in between songs. And sometimes I even go over that and talk too long. Um, but I've got a chance today just to, to, to let my heart bleed a little bit more because the second thing I want to talk about in terms of cultivating gratitude is worship. Worship. Andrew spoke on this in the first service and just smashed it out of the park. So um, if I do a really bad job in the next five minutes, just go back and watch the first sermon. Um, yeah, I'm a worship leader by trade, so I could go on for ages about this. But I really believe that worship is for gratitude 
what the gym is for muscles. It's a place where we learn to cultivate gratitude together. And it's because we, we're literally coming in, we're stopping, we're pausing, and we're breathing in truth again. We're walking into this place and we're being reminded again of, of the revelation of God. We're, we're absorbing in the things that we forgot, maybe from even just a week ago. And it's so important um, that we cultivate gratitude in the context of worship, both you know personal on your own, but corporate too when we're in this room. And Paul, when he's writing to the Colossians, he knows the good fruit that will come if the church can learn to worship with thankfulness at the heart of everything. That's why he keeps saying it again and again and again. Worship is a chance for us every time we gather to stop and to pause and remember the benefits. Like, like Psalm 103, forget not his benefits. It's like jet fuel for thankfulness. We need it. Um, and and here's, here's the thing today, just while I'm on my soapbox, I want to encourage us in this. Southerns, let's fight to grow a culture of worship with a growing emphasis on praise and celebration. Praise and celebration. This is kind of what I want to, one of the things I want you to take home today. I'll say that again. Let's fight together to not just maintain but actually grow a culture of worship at Southlands with a particular emphasis on a posture of praise and celebration. So I just want to let my heart bleed on this for a minute. I've seen worship in my short lifetime become increasingly reflective, introspective, um, undemonstrative. You know, I think a lot of us might, might have seen that. Um, it's become a little bit more individualistic. Um, and that's because the culture is becoming more individualistic. It's not just this problem in the church. I think it's something we're responding to in our culture. And I think some of it's really good. I think we've actually maybe learned a broader range of, of sort of expression. And that's really good. Um, but I want to say we can't, we can't live always in this tender sort of Jesus and my emotions songs only. And the reason for that is because I think if we aren't careful, what will happen is we'll inadvertently breed a, like an overdeveloped sense of our weakness, our insecurity, the things about me that aren't quite right. Like, and those things are true, and it's okay to talk about that. I'm not saying that. Um, rather than a robust, faith-filled joy that actually transcends our inherent weakness, you know, the struggles that we go through, the struggles of different seasons and circumstances and emotions. And the reason is, guys, those things, circumstances, seasons, emotions, man, they just do this. If you've lived for more than five minutes, it's like they just do this the whole time. They go up and down, up and down, up and down. And I think um, what I want to say is, like, what we do is we attach our, our worship to, to this thing, so the seasons and the circumstances and the emotions. And what, what I think some of us need to try and do or, or, or move towards is actually those things, they come up and down. It's like a roller coaster. But Jesus and the gospel and the church and my salvation and eternity, these things are like immovable. They are immovable. Yeah. Totally steadfast. They never, ever shift. And so actually... I need to connect my worship to that place, this, this constant. And um, 
So, so what happens is we struggle, right? We come in and we feel maybe a bit disqualified by our sin or we feel um, just emotionally we're just not, it just feels like Andrew said, disingenuous to, to worship because man, I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not there. Like it's just been really hard. And um, guys, what, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I'm not about worship that just sweeps all of that under the rug and just pretends and just woohoo, like victorious, triumphant. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but I actually think there are moments where we actually need to choose to praise. We need to choose to elevate the truth of God above our own experiences because we don't actually realize that what happens is this in turn changes and fortifies and renews your emotions, which are fickle and will fail you and can't be trusted. And it sees us conform to the truth of Jesus. Amen? And so what happens is then we learn to be able to sing and clap and even dance and kneel and all these things through the deepest pain when it really counts, when it matters, you know? We were able to sing in the dark night of the soul instead of just when everything's kind of good, you know, on this roller coaster thing. So I want to encourage us, church. Let's sing louder. Let's dance more. Let's kneel more. Let's clap more. Let's worship more, realizing that this is actually uh, one of the ways that we fight the fickle emotions that we just can't trust. We come into this place and we see the truth again and we realize we, we, gratitude and thankfulness begin to overflow into a place that says, Lord, though my flesh and my heart may fail, Psalm 73, you are my strength. You are my portion. I'm choosing to worship you today. I'm going to dance on the pain. I'm going to, I'm going to sing in the whatever season of life I'm in. I said this a few weeks ago, but it's not like some weird charismatic church thing, you know, like clapping. It's not something that we invented in the 70s and like, man, they're all super happy, happy, clappy. It's deeply biblical, guys. It really is. It really is biblical to use your body, to bring your body in line with the truth of, of who you are, that the Lord has made you to be a, a body and a mind and a soul and a spirit. And actually we bring our body into the, 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 the puzzle here. You know, it's part of it. So lift your hands, express your praise. I want us to do it outwardly, right? Like C.S. Lewis says, it's the appointed consummation. It's the appointed consummation of an inwardly transformed heart to express praise out loud. Guys, there's fun and life to be found in worship. There is. We taste little bits of it sometimes. Even this morning as we sang that new song and we had the kids in with us, and it was just, there's just joy in the room. And that's just so great. Love that. I want to say, even if you're broken in the midst of a storm, celebrate with joy, not just happiness, the, the, the thing that's deeper than happiness, joy, deep joy, what God has done. And you'll find actually that your flesh begins to catch up and get in line with the renewed creation that Jesus has made you, right? I found this so many times, just myself. It's like I'm a new creation, but there's this flesh man still in there trying, it's not dead yet. So I'm not fully renewed until I get to heaven. There's this awful still sinning thing that wants to keep bubbling up. And part of my job as a, as, as a believer and as somebody who's trying to follow Jesus and be sanctified, is sometimes just to go like, no, stop. Old flesh person, get in line. Get in line and get in step with who Jesus has now made you to be a new creation. Do you guys, are you guys tracking? 
You, you, you guys know that, you feel that. And so that's a lot of what worship is. It's about saying, Whew, get in line, body, mind, emotions, with the truth again and breathe in again the truth of Jesus. Um, my last point um, today is this. Gratitude needs to be placed most fundamentally in Jesus, in Jesus, in him crucified. And uh, I said earlier, I think we need to develop like a reflex muscle, right, for the good things we see around us. Every good gift the Lord has given us, the common gifts to all mankind. And um, I'm, finding that e I'm finding this easier the older I get. Like, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I didn't stop and think, think, think things like, oh, I really appreciate, you know, Beethoven's transcendent ability to develop a rich, fully orbed harmonic consistency across the four movements of his second piano sonata. I just didn't think that when I was seven years old. I was like, Dad, put the Spice Girls back on, you know, whatever. <laughs> right? I don't know about you, but as you get older, I'm <laughs> learning to appreciate the, the, just the good, the gifts around us, to all of us, right? Blue cheese, red wine, come on. No good. When you're seven years old, no good. Now, that's a meal. That's a meal. Guys, I come from a country called Wales. You've got to understand, Wales is a rainy, wet, damp country. I was about nine years old before I ever took a coat off. Um, and so, guys, there are times, honestly, there are times when I'm driving around Brea, driving around this town, been here for a year and a half, when I just marvel like the silhouettes of palm trees against the golden hour sunset light of pinks and oranges and I'm in the backyard and this perfect little hummingbird comes through, you know, the jewel of the bird kingdom. And Guys, I didn't talk this way when I was seven years old. I hadn't developed, I hadn't developed this, this muscle, right? This, this reflex. You take a child to the Grand Canyon or Yosemite and they're like, can I have more screen time, please? There's a new Dude Perfect video, you know? And they're just rocks. And you're like, guys, look, it's Yosemite, it's the Grand Canyon, whatever. And because they haven't learned yet, right? So I think, it, I, I think my point is, it's getting easier for me as I get older to see the good things around me and to enjoy them. Um, but but my, my key point here is that gratitude for those things, those temporal things, is good. And it's been wonderful this week just to be thankful, thankful for all kinds of things, family, friends, jobs, uh, all, the kind, all, all these kind of things. But, um, but we need to make sure it doesn't cross over into materialism or aestheticism because these things are a gift to be enjoyed, but they're not actually ultimate. They're not ultimate. The Bible speaks of an earth in decay. As hard as it is to imagine, the Grand Canyon won't last forever. But as Christians, we actually have something far more fundamental, far more glorious to be thankful for. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus' ultimate, eternal saving power. The rugged cross, the blood poured out to rescue and ransom and save me. The wrath of a holy God absorbed by a perfect and wonderful Savior. Friends, we need to absorb and revel with gratitude in these gifts above all others. And, um, you know, we all have seasons, don't we, when gratitude, thanks, thankfulness feels kind of elusive. 
because like we live in a broken world, broken lives. There's disappointment, there's pain. Um, you know, right across the, the, the spectrum, spectrum from just kind of melancholy to like deep depression. I'm not trying to, uh, again, I'm not trying to discount the reality of those things. Um, but gratitude realigns us actually with what is most fundamentally true. I know in my darkest moments, um, like thinking about hummingbirds and Beethoven is just not going to be enough. It won't be enough. It's Jesus that satisfies. It's Jesus that saves. It's Jesus that's rescued me and given me eternal life. It's Jesus that sustains the whole universe and through him all things were made and every good thing I get to enjoy in life from Beethoven sonatas to roasted turkey to the... Jesus that makes valleys of my experience in the darkest moments. It's Jesus that crossed the great divide and stood in the chasm that sin had opened up between me and God. And it's Jesus that gave his own life up to torture and crucifixion place in his family forever. Friends, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So just as Paul says, we, in the name of Jesus, we're thankful. We're thankful and our hearts are grateful for him. And it's, it's not, it's, it, it can feel complicated, but it's actually not. It's just about learning to undergird your days with a simple, obedient Christ for Jesus. It's so remember the importance of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is essential. It's biblical. Let's allow corporate worship to become a gymnasium of Thanksgiving where we build up our gratitude muscles. Um, Let's worship him out there, but let's worship him in here. Let's let it be loud. Let's let it be externally. Put your gratitude, ultimately your trust in the only thing that isn't going to fade, isn't going to decay or dissipate or, or ever die. And it's the son of God himself, Jesus Christ, who will carry you to glory if you've put your faith in him. Let's pray together. Lord, you are the giver of every good gift. And we are thankful this week. We are thankful this week for so many things. Help us, Lord, to be grateful. Lord, train us. Would this place be like a gymnasium for the muscles of thanksgiving and gratitude as we drink in again the glory and the truth and the goodness of who you are and what you've done? Lord Jesus, thank you that um, there's only actually one a uh, place that's never going to rust or fade or decay or go anywhere. And it's your steadfast love. It's your mercy. It's your cross. It's your blood shed for me. And so, Lord, we say today, it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. Let our hearts revel and wonder and glory in the Christ and the Christ crucified. Lord, would you, um, those that are in difficult seasons and, and pain right now, I pray you would help us, Lord, whatever scene we're in, uh, to attach our emotions, our feelings, our feelings and our goings, every thought, be to Jesus' truth and reality. That's just what, uh, and, and always be trusted.